This is the Proud American Podcast, and I'm your host, Johnny Joey Jones. I grew up in a small town in North Georgia. More specifically, I grew up at the local dirt track, watching mostly homemade race cars compete for what could be described as bragging rights. The most local and most important pride, winning the race. NASCAR is the top level of auto racing in America, but perhaps more importantly, it may also be the last remaining grassroots sport through and through. My next guest is a true cross-section of the humble roots of America's pastime and the full embrace of technology to get the fast time. Kurt Busch is a NASCAR champion who accomplished some of the most significant feats in racing and after two decades is still competing at the highest level for those same bragging rights. Kurt, welcome to the show, man. Hey, Joey. Thank you for the introduction uh, and thank you for having me on your show. Well, you're a buddy. I mean, people that follow me know that, that we're friends because I brag about you, especially when you're winning the Daytona 500 or doing some fun promotion with your sponsors that get veterans to races and just the cool things you do. Um, but, you know, let's catch up. Like, what what's going on? NASCAR's back on the track. I guess COVID hasn't slowed you guys down too much, and, uh, and you're still competing. Yeah, we had uh, a couple months where a lot of the – the competitors and teams were in a flux of what is the future of NASCAR and, and all of sport really. Right. And uh, our, our North Carolina government did a good job working with uh, the teams uh, to be able to, to kind of get them back to work in the workforce. And then different States worked together with NASCAR to create the protocol formula that we all have been following. And it's been a very successful return. Uh, I was actually at the governor's mansion in South Carolina uh, last, last week, uh, helping promote our Darlington race. And, you know, it's, it was to say, thank you. South Carolina really helped NASCAR uh, get back to sport quicker than any other sport. And we kind of set the tone. And it's been great to, to have everybody working together as a fraternity, so to speak, as a sorority of, of help and camaraderie. And that's where I've seen this community of, of motorsport really lock arms and tie in the tightest that I've ever seen before. And so it really brought us close together. And it's, uh, it's been a nice time in NASCAR to just continue out, go out there and race for checkered flags and to see everybody pulling the rope in the same direction. So what you're saying is 40 of you guys and sometimes gals can go out on the track and compete against each other and maybe every now and then spin each other out, but actually get along and, and work together as well. Man, that's a that's something Americans might need to hear right now. <laughs> yep. I mean, it's it's a unique world. It's an environment that's hard to explain. And I think that's why you and I hit it off as well as we have, where you go into battle mode. Now, out on the NASCAR track, it's nowhere near what it is to, to go out into the world and ranks and, and dangerous places you've been, but you put your helmet on and you're a different person. You, you jump into that mode, uh, whether it's, it's, you know, the, the bad guys out there or the bad competitors right next to you, you're just in that racer mode. You're in that, that military frame of mind. And that's where you and I've hit it off. And that's where the drivers know how to race each other. And then when the helmet's off, you know, and we all have to do something to help the sport grow or to take care of one another. I think all of us uh, you know, jump at the chance to help another fellow competitor and another fellow comrade. 
Well, and I think that's a that's a good part that I'd like to get to. Like it, I said in the intro, you, you've been at this for a while. I think twenty two years, um, but you just won a race a couple of weeks ago. Like you're still competing and and winning. Are are you a leader? Do you consider yourself as the as one of the veterans on the track? Like, do you feel an added responsibility at this part of your career? Uh, I do in a small way. You know, it you can't sit there and go, okay, yeah, I am the longest tenured driver, which I am. And you can't go, I'm the oldest, uh, which there might be a couple guys like Newman is is in my same age bracket and Kevin Harvick is, but you can't absorb all the responsibility. I, I just do the job that I know that I can do at my capacity. And it's this veteran responsibility that now I look at and it was around me when I first started, you know, I'm a young guy and there was the veterans in the sport and I looked up to them and now I'm that veteran and I know the young kids are looking up to me. Yeah. And so there's little things that I can sprinkle in as a veteran to help uh, and to, you know, to show them the way, but also, you know, make it hard on them on the racetrack, you know, cause <laughs> they're just trying to get their feet under them and you got to still have that competitor in you, but you still got to help the the sport continue to grow. And so I feel like I'm doing a, a decent job at, at my role as a veteran in this sport, um, off the track and then on, on the track as well. Now, I, th- I think um, you're winning. I mean, that's tough enough. There's 40 of you out there, but it seems like those wins are, are harder and harder to get. And, uh, and it's always fun to watch, you know, when somebody I know, but just somebody that I, I know people enjoy cheering for. I mean, you've had, You've had triumphs and adversity, and, and most drivers had. But, but I mean, you've been at the top of the top at this sport, and you did it so early in your career. It's like it's almost – you feel like sometimes you, you – I know I'm 35 years old, and I got into the job I have now at about 30. And it's like, man, did I peak too soon? Did you ever have that moment where you're like, well, I won it all, so now what do I do? I like, I like that question, you know, because I started racing later in my life than, than what most – people would consider a starting age. So like kids now they're on their go-karts at eight and my little nephew Brexton is winning races and he's six years old. Uh, my little brother was, was 11 when he first started. I didn't race a race car till I was 16. Wow. And, and six years later, I'm starting in Dover, Delaware in the NASCAR Winston cup series, 10th place next to Bobby Labonte, like six years of my first time racing a car and then at the top series of motorsport. That's how fast it went for me. I I started winning my second year. I won the championship my fourth year. Like things have just skyrocketed and I'm standing there on top of Mount Everest looking around after I won that championship as a 26 year old. I'm like, where do I go from here? (laughs) <laughs> I needed to keep going. I needed another ladder to keep going and I didn't quite find it, you know, and, and I then got sideways with some of my emotions. Uh, you know, the, the, the winds weren't coming as, as easily. Uh, I'd switched teams thinking it was all about me, me, me. And it was a, it was a process that I needed to go through. I needed to see the, the tough part of the sport and how, you know, some guys got to work their whole life just to just to have one shot at it. I, I feel like I just skyrocketed straight to the top and had no 
respect and no real understanding of the full process. And I went through it all, man. Like you said, went to the top, went to the bottom. Uh, I was digging my way back up. And when I was digging my way back up, that's when uh, our paths crossed, Joey. And that's, that's why I think our connection has been much more than a friendship. It's also been spiritual. Man, that's a big compliment. But I, I tell you, what you just described, and you may not even see it this way, but I think that's life for a lot of people. I mean, adversity is one of those things that's constant. It's always going to come. It's like the storm beating at the at the windows. It doesn't go away, and you don't get to choose when it comes, even though, and we both can say sometimes it's self-inflicted, but, but it's constant. We all have adversity, and I think um, you may not know it, but you know, that's a pretty inspirational thing that you stuck with it. And I think a stat that I wanted to point out when you were talking, you won the championship, I think you said in your fourth year, but, or, but like, when did you win the Daytona 500? Uh, I won that uh, four years ago. (laughs) Yeah. And so like, doesn't that show that the, that it works, right? Like going through that growth and, and just not giving up matters. Oh, absolutely. hundred percent without any doubt. I mean, I'm more appreciative of the second half of my career when I've had less wins and less accolades and accomplishments because I did it in what I would say the harder way, but also the more challenging way of of knowing that it's not as easy as, as what everybody thinks it is. And to work with different crew members now, different engineers, uh, management of the race team. It's great to give my years of experience back to these young kids and try to help coach them on how to become winners and how to become champions. And so it's, it's, it's rewarding. I mean, I don't have any children yet. Uh, Ashley and I have been married five years and I think that's around the next corner. And even uh, my final contract in racing, I believe is right around the next corner. And to me, there's just still so much more that, that NASCAR is giving to me, and I feel it. And it's like I have a an unofficial PhD <laughs> in this NASCAR world, right? Well, and, and that, that's an interesting topic I think we'll get into here in a minute. But, like, I think what you're describing, and I think a lot of people can feel this. It's like your your wins and your success, that's Kurt Busch's legacy. But it's like everything else, that's – Kurt Busch's legacy on the sport, right? That's what you'll leave behind for the next guy. And I think it's just really great for people to hear that, that those two are different things. They're just as important, like, but they're also two different ways of looking at it. And I think only age and experience and adversity gets you there. Yes. It it helps with the, with the compartmentalization of knowing the different categories, uh, the appreciation of it, is easier to recognize now with with I guess years on planet Earth, right? And also the 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 connection with my little brother. You know, Kyle Busch is out there as a two time champion and has almost double the wins that I do. And then now to have his son, my nephew Brexton, racing. Uh, and then there's the the Bush brothers' legacy in the sport as well. That is a couple wins away from being the winningest pair of brothers in, in NASCAR. We're about, uh, about tied now with the Allison family. Wow. That's something that I didn't even know was coming up. And I heard about it. I'm like, wow, that's, that's pretty special there. 
So I guess, and for those that don't know fully, like your last win a couple of weeks ago, you, you happened to beat a guy that had the same last name in that win. <laughs> and now you're telling me that the two of you have a couple of wins to get this collective goal. Does that mean there's an added competition on who gets to, to win that race that puts you over the top? I, you know, I don't know why I had this thought in my head this morning, and I didn't know we would arrive at this question today. And I, I, you know what? I have an answer for you. I'm hopeful that we're able to split this. Somebody's going to tie the record and somebody's <laughs> going to push us forward. If we can split it, that's my goal. I, I see what you did there. But yeah, racing <laughs> my little brother in Atlanta. You know what's funny, Joey? It, the two of us have a lot of shared DNA and we race the car very similar. And we're starting to trend now. With the last few wins that I've had, I've had to beat him Yeah, because we drive the same. The tire code is, is the way that it feels for us versus others. And we're starting to run good on all the same tracks. <laughs> so we're starting to get in, in each other's way. And we're starting to finish one, two more often now. That's so funny. And, and not to harp on this, but like he's had some adversity. And, and you know, for you guys, adversity is not just, just like not being at the top, right? You're either at the top or you got to figure something out that's just the competitor in y'all and and he's had some adversity have you been able to kind of fill that mentor role for him have you helped him through it at all or is it one of those things where it's like hey leave business at the track and we'll have family dinner on thursday i've done my best joey we all know kyle bush is is a true competitor uh you know his hard-headedness like you said can do uh some self-inflicting things but he's getting a little older now. I think fatherhood is, is helping him mellow just a fuzz. <laughs> but at the same time, yes, there's been those moments in his career where I've already been through that. And yeah. I'll be the first one over there, you know, to help him and to, to offer advice. And I think now he's a more absorbent of that advice. And it's, uh, it's starting to, to show on track where the two of us treat each other like teammates even though we race for different teams and it keeps the other competitors on their toes when we're drafting at the super speedways or racing at the short tracks. I, I think people are, are seeing that we're a, a powerful duo on track and that they got to deal with both of us. And, and now that we're more connected at the hip. I think that's uh, I mean, that, this is about Kurt Busch and even that question was because it's about the role that you feel and how that can change over time. And I think that's something that people can really connect with. I know that for me, even at 35, I've got veterans that are 25 that are have been in the military service and gotten out that I'm trying to help them say, hey, look, these next 10 years don't have to suck. Like They don't have to be, I miss the military. They, ha they can be like reaching out to the world and explaining to them who we are. And I think that that kind of, you know, I, as you're my buddy, I've seen that in you in the last 10 years change from, man, I've got to win that race to I've got to win that race and do this for the sport. And I think that's just a, something that a lot of people can connect with because, like I said, adversity doesn't let up. Yeah, nah, it's it's also been inspiring, you know, to have you as a friend and to see what you've gone through. And then there's there's other uh, guys and gals that I've met at track or, you know, like you said, at Walter Reed, where we met uh, Bethesda Medical Center. Uh, there's a few other men and women that are texting me and that, that we stay connected. And I try to coach them and, and give them a little bit of advice or just as simple as a, a pit pass. 
or a, a, a ticket to a race to boost up their spirits and let them know there's a world of, of NASCAR out there that wants to show love to them and, and support them. I mean, we, we've got some of the most patriotic fans in all of sport. Our NASCAR fans are incredible. And the respect that they show for the red, white, and blue and all of our military, it, uh, it gives me that motivation to make sure that when you see somebody in uniform that you stop and just say thank you. And you're, you're one of the first guys that I had met when I stopped by in, in Washington, D.C., and it's, it's been inspirational. It's been a nice journey since then to uh, jump, jump in and, and have a small part in the fraternity, if you know what I mean. I know exactly what you mean. And that, and that, that actually brings up another question I want to ask that's going to get us away from the track and out into the country. But first, let's take a break real quick, and we'll be right back. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. All right, Kurt. So you were just talking about um, about meeting me and like getting away from the track. And, and we met, I think it was Walter Reed or Bethesda, they're the same place now, but you guys came by and here I am, this country bumpkin. I was in the Marine Corps and big race fans. So it's like, oh my God, like I, I'll put it to you this way. When I was growing up, I didn't know who Michael Jordan or Troy Aikman were, but I knew who Bill Elliott was and I knew who <laughs> Dale Earnhardt was. So that's the upbringing I had. Um, but, but really what it made me think about was sometimes people think of NASCAR as just like southeastern country boy sport. And but you know, the guy who won the championship five times in a row is from California. You're from Las Vegas. Some of the most exciting races happen in the Midwest and out west. And you get to fly all over this country. And I gotta imagine you're not always just at the track. What's it like being one of the people that gets to see the country from coast to coast every single year? And um and like what kind of appreciation do you have for that? You know, that was something that I thoroughly enjoyed as a, as a child when, when I was traveling with my dad. You know, when my dad would race, we raced primarily locally in, in Las Vegas. But when there was a road trip to Phoenix, man, I was so excited. I was so excited to go to a, another town. And then you have the different gas stations and gas stops along the way. Uh, and, you know, we'd go race in Southern California and we're driving through the desert. Um, stopping at uh, the McDonald's in Barstow, California, that had a train car that you could go and sit in as far as part of the restaurant. You know, and then we'd get to the race in SoCal. And, you know, there was a race that was on in Ventura, California, right on the beach. And it was the first time I remember smelling salt air and feeling the humidity and the cool, damp air that the dry desert in Las Vegas didn't have. I loved it, you know, and then we travel up to, to Utah and the Salt Lake area over to Denver, Colorado, through the mountains. I mean, when I started to get to travel, that was the most fun. That's what I remember the most. And that's what I still love today. And now being a little older, I see the people within the communities. And this all started for me um, probably about seven years ago when I ran the Indianapolis 500 as a NASCAR guy. I'm running an open wheel. I'm in Indiana in the month of May, and there's 250,000 people in that racetrack watching the race, and I'm just blown away by the community, the people's passion for their race, and the way that I found that race to be so much more important than what it was 
is that the Indiana Hoosiers were on stage. They loved their track. And in their backyard is the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And it's on a global stage every Memorial Day weekend. That's when things really hit me about communities and the people around our country. You know, I think that's something that's such a great example of what it means. I mean, the name of this podcast is Proud American. And I know you're a proud American, but that race, is you just said it. It's two things at once. It's the most local and parochial thing in the world. It is Indiana through and through, backyard, very microculture. And it's also this global event that people from around the world compete in. I think that's kind of a great example of like what it means to be American. Like we are this world superpower, but we're also every town and and family along the way. And and we we have to be able to appreciate both of those things. Yeah, there's there's different sporting events around our country. There's different cultural events, art, you name it. Uh, and there's different things uh, like. Growing up in Vegas, there was always the rodeo at the end of the year. And, you know, you go through the the northern part of Colorado and into Wyoming. You know, you go south there, head towards Texas and Oklahoma. You see the cowboy world and the cowgirls that are out there running barrels or the cowboys roping it. You get into that, that portion of it. There's just so much pride that everybody has in every region of this country it's uh, it's really neat, you know. Even uh, like the Pacific Northwest, I was up there to hand out a, a tool award of toolboxes and tools to a winner with one of our sponsors, Gear Wrench. And it was great to to visit the Pacific Northwest and to see the people up there and their pride in that region of the country. NASCAR is a patriotic sport, to say the least. I mean, that's why we know each other, right? You guys came and you visited us that were injured in war. But when you go to a race, I mean, there's American flags from one side of that track to the other. The national anthem is always celebrated. There are things that are just very much about unity and, and be, hey, we're all here to do this thing. And we're going to appreciate those that serve our country. Why, why do you think that is? Like, what is it about NASCAR specifically that makes patriotism front and center at every event? I believe it's it's within the people's heart that they know that the freedoms that they enjoy came at a sacrifice. And with, with our group, it's just the true and true blue collar type of, of family that really has to save up and to, to go to that race, you know, with a family of four, it it costs a bit of money and it's their vacation. It's their getaway. And they know that, uh, that they put an effort in to get there and they know that somebody else has sacrificed for our freedoms. And it's it's really neat. I think uh, you get those families together. They're all in the campgrounds or you, you get them in the grandstands and there's certain sections that are family sections. And they just, like you said, you didn't know who Troy Aikman was or or who um, another athlete was, Michael Jordan. Like it's, it's amazing that when people start talking NASCAR, it's in their blood and then their spirit just comes out within it of, oh, yeah, this is my favorite guy or this is my favorite race. And it just pushes everybody's pride right to the top. Do you feel that is a responsibility or, or is it an honor or kind of both? Like, can it be stressful and rewarding? No, I, I feel like everybody knows that it's, it's a common given of showing respect and having pride and continuing to to make a difference in their communities because it, freedom isn't free. And the way that everybody goes around these tracks or travels, 
you know, you're crossing state lines and everybody's got to work together uh, to make, to make it work. Even through this pandemic, it's, it's really drawn our, our group closer together and it's created a, a cultural push that I think that other sports can learn from as well. Well, man, you talked about your wife for a minute. Uh, she, I mean, you, you have definitely uh, won, a, won the championship there, man. She's amazing. I, I've had a chance to meet her. And you said that you may have a, a child might be on the horizon. You're a family man. Um, wh- what else is next? You know, what's the – what? you said you may not be racing forever. Uh, that's hard to believe, but I guess I'll deal with that when it happens as a fan. What's next for Kurt Busch and his, and his beautiful family? Well, I mean, Ashley is uh, an incredible woman. Um, and she plays sport as well. She's a professional polo player and she knows that she can't play and ride, uh, for, for her life as far as, well, the competition side, she can ride forever, but I think she's got some things she wants to accomplish personally. Uh, there's like the, most of this conversation with travel and, and enjoying life. It's right out there in front of us. Um, you know, my final contract, I feel it. I feel it in my heart. I feel it in my soul. Ashley helps me with that and connecting her life, my life and what we should do with racing and things outside of it. Uh, it's, it's there. The last contracts there developing this or doing that around NASCAR. Um, I'm actually jumping back in the TV booth for the truck series playoff races. Uh, it's something I enjoy doing to give back to the Chuck series, which helped me so much early in my career, but also to, to highlight uh, the, the kids that are racing in that series and, and they're making a name for themselves. It, uh, it's fun to talk about them and, and try to give more insight from how I, I see it from my perspective and to create more fans for NASCAR to give back to a sport that's given me so much. That's, uh, that's what I definitely see out on the horizon. I think there's a lot. There's a lot still to accomplish for a for a guy who I know to be the ultimate competitor and uh, and a heck of a friend and absolutely a proud American, brother. I can't thank you enough for joining me. And uh, and I guess the the corny but true thing to say is uh, go win the race. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, no, I appreciate it, Joey. Thanks for having me on and uh, for everybody listening. Um, I love to support our military. I love to have friends within the military. And an easy way that I found to connect NASCAR and our military is that I buy 100 tickets to every NASCAR race, and the program goes through vettix.org. And if you're listening, go check out vettix.org. If you got a race in your community that's close to you, there should be 100 tickets that are in that lottery system for you to be eligible for, because I just want to show my respect and to give my thank you and to make it quick and simple and easy for you to get a ticket to go to a NASCAR race. That's awesome. That's vettix.org. I'll uh, I'll tell all my buddies about it and, and get them to the race as well. Thanks, man. You got it, my friend. Thanks, Joey. The art of auto racing is as nuanced and subtle as it is loud and violent. The men and women competing do so because they're born competitors. With skill and hard work and a little luck, they are truly elite in their craft. Kurt Busch is a proud American and seasoned veteran in a sport that'll pass you by if you aren't keeping up. As a lifelong race fan, I'm proud to know folks like Kurt are, pas- are as passionate about this country as they are the elusive checkered flag. To hear more stories like this, visit foxnewspodcast.com and be sure to check back next week for a brand new Proud American Story. I'm Johnny Joey Jones. Thank you all for listening. 
Kudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Kudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.